Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. That's right, the here for the place to come anytime you need uh, information. (laughs) And we have it. Uh, Dr. Joe Usinski is with me today. Hey, Joe. Hey, how are you doing? Great to be here today. Yeah, doing okay. You know, I'm 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 having my uh, smooth vanilla latte. <laughs> well, you know, unlike my colleagues here in the political science department, um, I am neither hungover nor disappointed today. Uh, since I am a libertarian, I expect to lose all the time. So um, <laughs> instead of Instead of election day being like Christmas for me, it's more like any other day. So um, I I feel fine, and everyone else is bleary eyed. Now uh, you know, uh, <laughs> in a way, that's good because you don't really feel disappointed. Yeah, I guess if you expect to do poorly, then then uh, uh, no matter what happens, it's it's not that bad. But here in Florida. Um, the Republicans, it looks like they're going to get the Senate seat, even though it's going to go to a recount, and it looks like they got the governor's seat. Um, so a lot of a lot of Democrats are fairly upset. Um, but the one thing that I am happy about is my colleague Donna Shalala, um, whose office is...
It's right upstairs from mine. She actually won uh, Congressional District 27 here. So um, I'm pretty happy to have a friend in the Congress. Ah, there you go. So now you can get get all the things you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works, right? Don't yeah, I don't know how much I don't know how much one person of Congress can really get for you, but I am pretty sure that uh, um, um, if I if I called her, <laughs> yeah, donate to the party. Yeah, <laughs> but she is a different party than me altogether. So I don't know what what you know what feasibly she could do that would uh, make me happy anyway. Now you know a lot of people uh, in the last week. There's this. Uh, I think of you when I hear these nice comments. Uh, that, that, well, no, there was comments about how the libertarians are just embarrassed uh, Republicans. Hmm. Do, do you think there's a lot of Republicans that have jumped over to the Libertarian Party? No, because we're just as tiny as we were some number of years ago. And what's you know what sort of bothers me is that a lot of these never Trump. Republicans, instead of you know supporting Gary Johnson, um, who was a Republican turned Libertarian, um, decided to support Hillary Clinton. Um, you know, had had party leaders started to get behind the Libertarian cause or Libertarian candidates, they could probably have dented Trump a little bit, but they chose not to. Um, and to me, it just sort of shows what the Republicans are really about: is they don't have any real principles; they'll just go with what. You know, wherever the wind blows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, um, <clears throat> another thing, actually, and uh, joining in our in in our conversation today on uh, on these current events, uh, we brought in uh, author. He's been on the show before. Excellent man, good at politics, and uh, Patrick Adendell. Um, thank you for uh, sitting in with us. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Uh, now, uh, so feel free to comment on on anything that comes in. When well, you know, you talked about Florida, um, <clears throat> which is obviously probably the most disappointing state <clears throat> on the surface. <clears throat> um, I, I'd obviously thought that that Gillum and uh, Nelson should win by a couple of points, and they it looks like they haven't. But having said that, notwithstanding what your other guest just said, the way I look at it, Ben Nelson on paper is thirty thousand behind. And absentee, absentee ballots might reduce that to 5,000 deficits just on regular math. So he's not out of it. It's not, and I think, I think Gillum has withdrawn his concession, I think, because as Nelson picks up seats from sort of still to be counted type stuff, um, Gillum will too. So both the, the margins of losses, I think mar right now Nelson's is 0.4 and Gillum is 0.6, and it uh, looks like those numbers will head down, track down a bit more. In terms of margin of loss, yeah, so not done. So Nelson is not done yet. I mean, sorry, Nelson particularly is not done. Florida is not not totally over yet. Yeah, it's, it's not to totally yeah. over yet. But I mean, in a big state like this, I mean, it sounds like a like a small percentage sounds small, but in a big state, it's actually a lot of votes. So, yeah, um, I mean, well, that's like it's thirty thousand. But I got a feeling yeah. if I, I saw a number of absentee votes votes have to count at one hundred and thirteen split seventy. Uh, 65, 35, or whatever, that yeah. gets it pretty damn close. And that's just, but that's just assuming that the absentee ballot split is, is as projected, which obviously nobody knows. 
Yeah. So, and often you find out in these states, because urban areas come in last because they've got higher populations, they're harder to count and all the rest. Often the popular vote, especially in general elections, the popular vote just usually carries on going up for the Democrats for like two months after the election. Now, Florida, I'm not saying that will happen in Florida, but that's the sort of trend is like uh, the rural votes tend to come in first and easier to count, and then the urban ones tend to be more complicated and there tend to be more questions. And if there's voter suppression going forward, going on, it's likely to be happening in those areas uh, rather than the rural areas. So that's sometimes where you find some sneaky stuff going on. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's probably a 10% chance. I think the New York Times is a bit more than that, but that, that number keeps fluctuating. There's a 10% chance that Nelson wins, I guess. And, and 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 would you give that same percentage to uh, um, to to, to gov- governor candidate uh, Gillum? Well, no, it'd be slightly lower because he's yeah. doing he's performing slightly worse in the split. Yeah. So Gillum, you know, I you know I have I haven't actually looked at his numbers. I was more interested in Nelson's numbers because it was closer. Um, but it, he's still got a chance. And obviously, and this happens. This happens. This happens in Florida every year. I mean, every election it seems. You know, it happened in 2000. <laughs> I mean, most of us don't really accept the results of 2000. I mean, but it happened. I mean, the Supreme Court weighed in and did their thing, which most people thought was not fair. The whole thing of hanging charges is ridiculous. I remember um, my train ticket, Long Island Railroad train ticket, has those hanging charges. So clearly, I know which ones have been punched and which ones haven't. Even though they still hang there, so I, you know, it's not like I can sit, ask for a free ride. <laughs> I mean, do, do, so, so let me ask you a bigger, overarching question: Do you think, you know, what do we need to do to overhaul voting? I mean, there's been a lot of, um, you know, newer technologies brought into the voting system. We don't have the hanging chads anymore, at least I don't think. Um, well, clearly, I, mean, I think until people have confidence confidence in um, election procedures. Um, you've got to have you've got to have a paper record. That should be the law until everyone's comfortable. At some point, voting's got to be made a lot easier for everyone. Here in New York, there's no early voting. I don't know why, but you know, at some point, if we can purchase things with a fingerprint ID on an iPhone, I don't see why we can't vote that way. Um, but at some point in the future, not yet, we can't get there. We have to get down. We have to sort out the problems first and having a proper record. In the UK, we have what 600 MPs. Um, in every, through my living memory, I cannot remember an MP complaining about being cheated out of an election. It just does not happen. It does not need to happen. This is an Ameri- another American-made problem. Yeah, and so, so let me ask you another question, since you're comparing um, the U.S. to the U.K. Do you think a lot of this is a federalism issue where you have so many layers of government involved in this? Well, remember, each state has its own laws regarding uh, voter voter. Rule, rules and, and degrees of voter suppression. Um, I think it's absolutely nuts that districts are done by parties. It should be nonpartisan. And I just read last night, Colorado has voted in a nonpartisan structure for how to uh, district the seats in Colorado. And I read through it and I thought, well, that would probably work. It's not that tough. Americans keep saying, well, who's not partisan? In England, we have the nonpartisan civil service. In America, you don't really have non-partisans working in government. The judges are not partisan, are partisan, they're elected, which is absurd. So you don't seem to have a n- many non-partisan bodies. You just meant, and you, the obvious solution is go to professors like Finland. That's why Finland is so successful. The, the economy is designed by professors. But you mentioned professor, and you know, it's red meat Americans. Oh my God, they must be biased. <laughs> having, you know, having 
expertise and being able to sort out a problem is a form of bias in this country. But it sounds like just reading quickly through what Colorado has done, they may find a solution to having a non-partisan, it's very involved, I mean, there might be eight steps to get to a place where people would be comfortable that Colorado can be drawn in a non-partisan fashion at the next election. Well, the way I would I would do it, I mean, what, what one solution that's out there now, and maybe this is what Colorado's doing, is to is to not have congressional districts split zip codes. So once you do that, you get rid of a lot of the maybe, know, but then at least at least zip codes are somewhat random. They're not. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I mean, you're probably right. I haven't even thought through that thing. But the first thing that pops into my head, a zip code is better than having um, cheats design it. Yeah, but another is, another thing you could do too is get is get rid of the district entirely, so that you know if the idea of the house is to represent the people directly, why mm -hmm. does it have to be by geographic district? Is is there a way within states oh, with, you know to assign you're getting everybody? Way too, you're getting way too creative in a country that can't sort out <laughs> basic clean water. You know, but 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 I guess what I'm trying to say here is there are there are a number of of uh, of solutions that that could be brought to bear on this, and you know it, we're just yeah. sort of staying inside the box if we're like and you, well, you, you, and, and again you, you, you're a dreamer because you're a libertarian and you're like being a Mets fan and or whatever. It's like it's going to be a painful process. I I always try and um, keep to things that are easily achievable or keep keep to simple facts. I try, especially when I write. I'm happy to give opinions right now, but. I try and avoid opinions about stuff, um, but the thought of some complex reform, like you're suggesting, or I mean, people have great ideas for you know citizens, you know, all sorts of stuff. But if it's, if, it, if it's too obscure, I think America just needs to fix the plumbing first before building an extension. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, we can't afford to do that. <laughs> there are so many simple things that should be happening, like not cheating. Uh, crime being, you know, political crime being accountable. Uh, the, you know, and fortunately we got that check back. There'll be a check now in Congress. So the, the, the U.S. government and maybe governors, maybe Brian Kemp, this is pure speculation, if he wins, it reduces so voter suppression. Did he go over the top and break laws? I have no, I suspect he did, but I have no idea. But then if he did, there are now going to be consequences for that because he can be properly investigated. Up until now, there is no consequence for, cheat, for criminal cheating. Huh. Now, what you know in your in your book that uh, deliverance, um, you you talk about how to eradicate the destructive forces destroying the American democracy. Uh, what do you mean by that? Um, well, the first book lays the groundwork explaining what went wrong between two thousand and two thousand and fourteen. I think there's a total breakdown in um, critical thinking. There's a total breakdown in people being able to determine what a fact is or not. And that's, that's got made worse, not so much because of the Republicans themselves, but um, which obviously suits them because they don't actually have any constructive policy issues to actually solve problems. Um, but it's, it's gotten worse because of a couple of things that's nobody's fault. It's gotten worse because of social, the way social media is distributed. Uh, and we have no immunity to nonsense being writ written on, on, online. I always take Tesla as, as a good nonpartisan example. Uh, I, nobody in America knows that the Model 3 is the best-selling, when August is the best-selling car, passenger car in the United States. Like 80, 90% of articles 
like either anti-Tesla or um, <laughs> just coming up with false information about the company, driven by you know, people who profit would profit by their demise. And yet, you, this is an American company uh, with the potential to take down the Japanese and the Germans and, to a lesser extent, other American companies. Now, why any American would be knocking that is mind-blowing. Um, but then you got you got you had so much negative coverage, and everything's a Tesla killer. Every new car, which doesn't you know, every new battery or whatever it is, is a, is a supposed Tesla killer, which invariably the stories are incorrect. So it's clickbait. Now you take that to the you take that to the, and it's not proper journalism. And you take that to the to to now back to politics, and you know everybody on a website, you know it's not simply just Fox News. Uh, it's, it's all the it's all the people posting online. And a lot of conspiracy theories too, to some extent, that are just throwing people off their game. And there's no immunity to false information right now. And and that that's uh, compounded by foreign interference. There's, you know, other countries, primarily, primarily the Russians, obviously, have figured out how to undermine our democratic system and undermine the Western alliance and destroy, try and destroy NATO, try and disunite Europe. And they've been very, very successful at it. Uh, weak, weakening uh, again the West. So, and and uh, there's been no immunity to all these new factors. Now, hopefully, we need to train society into first of all fact checking, and re certain social media is being more regulated, whether it be Facebook or whatever, to pre to prevent these Russian bots or whatever, or p people trying to spread hate, putting Americans against each other, putting Bernie Sanders supporters at Hillary's throats and vice versa, because that achieves the same result. So I, we have no immunity to that, and hopefully we will start building immunities and laws to prevent that. And that was, I think, a big factor in why we all misunderstood the results of the 2016 election. Nobody so really saw Trump winning. So would you be, you're advocating for the government to sort of regulate speech on social media companies? No, but I think what they do, I regulate speech, obviously American, I mean, obviously America uh, has stricter freedom of speech laws than, say, the United Kingdom. I'm, I'm not one for repressing speech, but I think when you see somebody spreading, of, I mean, I think they're doing whatever they can right now. I mean, in Facebook, they're trying to make sure that I'm not a Russian bot and all the rest and all sorts of procedures you have to go through. And that's fair enough. I mean, obviously, I think Facebook and Amazon have way, way too much power. So in a way, you can't really, it's tough to appeal stuff if, if they're getting stuff wrong. So that's the major concern. So you need both their ability to restrict, but you also need to regulate to make sure that they're not, they're not holding monopoly positions on, on this stuff. So it's like, there's no easy answer to what's the question you just asked. Yeah, I mean, it makes me very nervous to say, well, you know, the Russians put out a bunch of bots, so therefore we need to have the government, you know, who I would I didn't not actually trust say, to regulate I said, I, I think we, we, need, we all need awareness of it, and that's the, be the yeah. best, and education of it, and that's the best line of defense. Um, but clearly... And I, de I haven't thought about Facebook for a while, but they're under scrutiny from both the Russian and the English governments. Um, I think the way they help Cambridge Analytica and all the rest. This is dangerous stuff, and you need to try and figure out some types of regulation. I'm not, I'm, you know, this is very tricky stuff, and I'm not, you know, I don't know exactly what they should do, but I, you know, obviously Facebook's being targeted right now, I think, and I, so far I don't have a problem with the way it's being done.
Yeah, it does. It bothers me because 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 we say, well, we have a, an authoritarian government who, you know, or at least the argument goes, we have an authoritarian government in Russia that helped install an authoritarian leader in in uh, in the U.S. So now our answer is to give that authoritarian yes, I know. government. I know, I know what you said. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, power you to be control. Really careful. The, you know, our political speech, and 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 I think it's inc- it, it, it's on very thin ice once you start doing that because. Um, it sounds easy just to say, well, we'll get rid of the hate speech, but, but everyone has their own rid- list of hate speech. But you're not getting ri- I'm not sure if you're getting rid of that. I think you're preventing Facebook profitizing from money coming from foreign agents that are colluding. So I think in a way some of that stuff is being investigated more carefully, and I think Facebook needs to be a bit more careful where they get their advertising revenue from. I mean, another thing I would say, too, is I think there's a lot of – I mean, it's clear that the Russians, are, you know – interfered by putting in these bots and all these fake posts, it's not clear that it affected the outcome. I mean, political scientists are, are very reticent to say that it had any effect whatsoever. I think it, I think it, I think it would be dead, dead easy to affect the outcome. If you gave me the power to get into the brain of a conservative brain, I think I'd have no problem triggering, triggering certain results. Yeah, but the but I think it's you, very I think it's very easy to trigger a yeah, but you already said what, brain. Yeah, but you already said the operative thing. If you get into a conservative brain, that person was already going to vote conservative to begin with. No, but you can trigger them to I, vote for, for to get out and do more. And you, it's quite easy to trigger that person, but, but with certain type of false news memes. And I think like um, Cambridge Analytica, they experimented with that with Ted, when they originally worked for Ted Cruz, and I've forgotten what state that they targeted, and Ted Cruz. I think it was the first big state he won. Basically, I think as a result of using Cambridge Analytica data and knowing how to target people. Yeah, but the people who stu- yeah, but the people who study I this, I, I mean, they say it's it's it. You know, when you're talking about elections where you're spending millions or billions of dollars, I mean, uh, you know, seeing a handful of Facebook posts or some some bots on Twitter just just is a is a tiny drop, at, you know, in the bucket. So, because people are getting just battered with messages all day long for months on end, and to say, well, you know, this Russian bot caused the election to flip. I mean, it's it's sort of putting a lot of power on a small amount of messages. Well, I'm not sure if it was a small amount of messages, but I mean, you know, we're uh, we're not sure. But I I have written about Cambridge Analytica, especially how it impacted. I think it did impact the Brexit vote to some extent, Um, and a lot of other reasons why the Brexit vote occurred, which nobody in England expected it to happen. And again, the same thing, nobody, even on election night, you know, nobody expected Trump to win. And there was a moment last night where, you know, where, where Nate Silver had the chances of um, Dems getting the House fall from 90, 90% to 30% within a spread of 30 minutes. And you began to think, how could that happen? Now, fortunately, thank God we pulled away from that. Um, but I certainly think that a conservative voter is easier to motivate, trigger, than a, than a progressive voter, because they're more fearful. And um, and that's you know I, I I don't know if that that explains. Obviously, um, it, you know they upped the the ante and racism the Republican Party and Trump, and that probably was what turned and the caravan this whole nonsense about the caravan thing. Um, could could have created a two point difference and would have could could have changed the results in uh, Florida. I mean, there are studies on this that find personality differences between liberals and conservatives, 
personally, I think some of it's overblown. Um, but, you know, so when I study, you know, who do people think are conspiring against them? I mean, right and left look exactly the same. It's just that they're mirror images of each other. They just have different boogeymen. You know, whereas the right is concerned about communists and liberals, the left is concerned about corporations and conservatives. You know, if you if you say that foreigners are I'm sorry, what, in, what's the right what's I mean, how do you how do you trick I mean, what's the what's the right concern about when it comes to the left? I've forgotten. Oh, oh so, the, so so the right, you know, when we give them a list of groups, they'll they'll tend to pick out things like communists and liberals. Yeah, which is which, which is which is obvious nonsense. So what's the other thing? And whereas uh, on the on the on, on the Republican side, if you're trying to trigger a Republican, you're triggering racism, on the on, or gun or fear of gun, you know, gun, you know, lack of gun control or whatever, or you know, nonsense about healthcare. And these things, those are things where people actually end up dying. Whereas you know, worrying about communism. That's just a, a phantom. There, there's actually no left wing in the United States at all, anyway. It's, it's, you know, if you take Bernie Saunders, who's considered the most left wing candidate by most, you know, most of society, if you take his views, other than you could debate, I guess, uh, the, the validity, the necessity, the worthwhileness of having free public uh, university education for everybody, that's debatable. But everything else he says is, is a no-brainer. I mean, single pair. That's that's. That's an obvious solution, and to to to, to reform America's medical healthcare system, which is the most absurd healthcare system in in the developed world. So that so okay. So to get you straight, you think that the best way to reform American healthcare would have just have the government take it over? Not 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 as entirely. I think you start off with the public option, and the maths will do the rest. Now in the UK. You have the National Health Service, but you also have the ability to buy private insurance. And people like myself, and certain, you know, if, you, if you feel uncomfortable with the National Health System, you have private health insurance. And that tends to be a lot cheaper than you would expect, because in most cases, for most dire diseases, you actually voluntarily end up going to the NHS rather than your private health carrier. Yeah. So yes, public option leading to a form of single-payer single would be the clear solution. And the only reason why we didn't get it, and why we got Obamacare, which is a, a better than nothing, and it's a patchwork solution, a, um, a band-aid solution, the only reason why we didn't get it was because the, obviously the drug industries and the, the pharmaceuticals and the health and the insurance companies uh, rallied around people like Joe Lieberman to prevent it from happening. Where do you think things are going to? What's what's going to happen in January? Um, is the Democ Democratic House going to focus on? trying to bring down uh, Trump, or is it going to focus on trying to get health care and uh, other, you know, some of the infrastructure and uh, some of the Congress work done? Well, it's not a matter of, you've got to go after criminal activity, and so they're going to start investigating potential people who are breaking the law. And I don't think that should be considered a partisan activity, that's, that's Congress's job. Um, in terms of going after other things, um, well, that depends on, you know, still like Congress can't get much done on the domestic agenda on health care and all this. I don't know. I don't know the system well enough, and that's, again, not what I write about, but I presume you still need the support of the Senate. Now, the Senate may be having some sort of maybe more moderate going forward than it has been because, because of Congress and because of the, the way the wind might be blowing. They may see the wind is blowing. And especially as, as Trump maybe gets more in a quagmire with his legal problems. 
So, you know, they might start backing off supporting this, this, this guy. So maybe Congress does become more moderate, and the Senate becomes a bit more moderate, and they can work with Congress. So that would be good news. Well, I mean, you, I, I would prefer that these investigations be nonpartisan, but I mean, they're partisan. They're not held by courts. The Mueller, investigation, by... Is not, the Mueller investigation is not partisan. Yeah, but anything that would take place in the Senate or in the House is going to be, yeah, you know, yeah, partisan. It's not, it's not a court. We need, we need subpoena power, and the Congress needs subpoena power so you can get people to testify on the roast. I, I agree anything happening in Congress tends to be partisan. But there are things going on regarding uh, around the country, regarding whether it's Trump's uh, financial organization with the New York Times just wouldn't have posted unless they had unless they'd done a really well-sourced story. They just basically said the Trump organization has effectively over the years stolen $400 million from taxpayers. Yeah, let's say that's true, and if it is, it should be investigated by, a, you know, hopefully a nonpartisan body and the wrongdoers be brought to justice. But you already have a situation today where you have both parties saying they're going to use investigations for partisan purposes, not for truth-finding purposes. So well, I think Pelosi said that she's going to use investigations as a, as a way to, to, to get legislative goals and to use them, quote-unquote, strategically. And then Trump's already been tweeting about how he's going to use Senate investigations to go after them. So, that, I mean, so far this is not about truth-finding. Yeah, but, 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 but again, but, but remember, you know, Republicans' investigations are pure witch hunts. They spend $100 million of taxpayer money investigating the Clintons, and that's totally down the drain. They found nothing. The Mueller investigation, which I miss, you know, is one I keep going on about, is basically a self-financing investigation. They've already fined Paul Manafort $40 million, which, and they'll probably, I'm sure there'll be more fines uh, coming, down, coming down the pike at some point. So the taxpayer will be made whole by that. I'm not aware of too many, I, maybe, and again, I haven't, I'm not aware of too many of these investigations that, that the Democrats do. Like, for instance, they, they investigated Benghazi or time and time and time again. I mean, I don't think Democrats are the type of individuals who just beat their head against the brick wall. No. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. We're not going to get anywhere, but just because it sounds good. Just because it so, motivates the base. They were just investigating Hillary just to mo- time and time again, just to motivate the base. I just don't think the Democrats have a history of behaving like that. So, so, so your argument is that the Republicans are corrupt and the Democrats are not. No, no, I would not argue. No, 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 no. Democrats are corrupt. Corruption corruption is a nonpartisan problem. But the problem is basic intellectual integrity and honesty when it comes to lying. So I would argue the Republicans lie. Their lies are 1,000% more voluminous than Democratic lies. So people who say both parties are the same are part of the problem. So, you've got okay, to, so you've Democrats got to go down have a road. monopoly on truth? Is that, is that no, what you want to say? I just said what I said, which was Republican lies are 1,000% more volu- voluminous than Democratic lies. They lie. When Duff Beagle investigated the, uh, the German magazine, investigated, I think, the 2014, no, it was a general election, so it would have been 2012, the 2012 conventions, I think it was Romney and Ryan, uh, they found that the lies told in, that, in both conventions compared compared to the Democrats and the uh, Republicans, the Republicans were lying 400% more, more often. But then their lies were far worse. So when they lie, people die. When, and, and, and if you study, and I studied the, the supposed lies of the Democrats, and I've compared them with the lies of the Republicans. So the Republican lies are just more dangerous. Because people well, the, die. I mean, the 2013 lie of the year, according to PolitiFact, was Barack Obama, if you like your health care plan, you can keep it. 2013 lie of the year. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that lie of the year, shall we? First of all, uh, he he probably really thought that Obamacare would have everybody's plans stay in place, or everybody's plans stay in place. But what happened was some of those plans were illegal, and they had to be taken off the table. Now, they weren't taken off the table. Because they made them illegal, and he knew that that's a necessary consequence of what would happen. They weren't taken off the table in 2000. They they weren't taken off the table in 2013. He delayed those laws year after year after year until eventually, and so some people lost their health care because they were illegal. So he, 
it was a lie. I guess it was a lie, but it was an unintentional. He was trying to get people health care, unlike, unlike Republicans who lie and take away their health care. There's a big difference between a, there's a white lie and a, and a sort of accidental lie and an odious, insidious lie. Okay, so it's okay to lie if you are pushing for he government health care. I don't think he meant to lie. I don't, think, I don't think he meant to lie. It's just now deemed to be a lie. And he did everything he could to, to make it not a lie. He delayed the law for like three or four years in order to give everyone a chance to comply with the law. And there's still people who weren't. And so if you look at the consequences, if you look at the like the lies are okay, and if they don't support, I didn't say they're okay, but it's not a it's not a lie that leads to people dying. Before Obama, if we had had no Obamacare by 2020, there would have been 70 million Americans without health care. Right, right now I don't know what the number is. It could be 20 million because of Obamacare. So we've given, say, 50 million people health care, and people are going to live and not. And if, whereas the Republicans have no, they have replacement repeal. They have no replacement. We all know that there is nothing. People will, and they lie about it, and people will die. And that's why I say Republican lies are far worse than Democratic lies. They lie about Planned Parenthood selling fetuses or government spending money on abortions, when you lie about that, people die. The maternity, maternity deaths in America is the only country in the world where maternity deaths have gone up. And we've got worse, worse maternity deaths than third world countries because we're going backwards in this debate about, about women's health care. Ignorance is deadly. I'm not aware of too many democratic lies that lead to people dying. Uh, people learn certain conspiracies and base them as true and then they build on that um, again Onion was really talking about before we get it's really talking about the human race I'm talking about us all you and me and uh, everybody else we, I think we all have levels of delusion we all think we can <laughs> solve problems <laughs> and we, we write books and we go on radio and yet still the bad guys win <laughs> We keep trying, and we're delusional about it. But um, I think you've got to ask yourself, how many levels of, uh, of delusion do you need before you enter into a vegetative state? And I think that, has ha that happens in a lot of countries, and it's happened primarily amongst uh, Republican voters. They, they, they are so uninformed about basic issues that, I mean, that they really can't critically analyze the problems of today, you know, whether it be global warming, what is a Christian? What is, you know, whether it be trickle tr supply side economics, whether it be uh, how, how, how do you deal with Iran? You, the, 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 general, the, the Republican voter isn't, isn't able to discuss any of these things. When you see the rise of white supremacy caused by the president, the Republican, the, the many, many Republican voters don't see what's causing this rise of white supremacy or they're enjoying it. So you're saying they're basically, they're stuck in, in, in these several levels of illusion, which... Delusion, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a delusion. So then they, they, they can no longer uh, phantom what is actually re real. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I, give, I give numerous examples. I give polls and whatever. This is not opinions. These are, these are numbers, you know. 68% uh, of Republicans don't believe in evolution. I don't know why one would have a, a chat with... Uh, talk about any conspiracy theory that people, somebody can't think critically. 
65% thought that taxes, great, uh, when, you, when you reduce taxes on those earning more than $400,000, would impact them. So you have people like Joe the Plumber talking absolute nonsense. Yet he got lots of residents and John McCain loved him. Uh, you have uh, you know, 69% don't affect global warming. 67% believe that Saddam Hussein was behind 9-11. 62% think that Mitt Romney needs more credit than Obama for snagging bin Laden. I mean, it goes on and on and on. 65% of Republican voters basically know nothing. There were no tax cuts under Obama except for suntanning and, uh, and smoking and smokers. And yet they all thought they got, none of them acknowledged that. 90% thought they had tax increases under Obama. I mean, it's just total nonsense until you can start thinking critically and getting your facts right. Why are we talking about more complicated things? So, so do you think that this sort of delusional thinking doesn't exist on the left? Yes, it, of course it is, but it's less dangerous. So maybe if I argue that two-thirds of uh, Republicans are uh, fundamentally some sort of bigoted in some fashion, you could probably argue one-third of dem dem Democrats are. I mean, one of the things that really horrified me about Hillary Clinton in 2008 and this had been huge for the country just done the right thing. She was campaigning against Obama in some swings in some tight democratic states like West, West Virginia. And yet 33% of uh, Democratic primary voters in West Virginia basically would refuse to vote for Obama based purely on the color of his skin. If Hillary Clinton had just said, go take your vote elsewhere, she, she could have made that into a major teachable moment. And she would have done a, she would have stood tall as a politician. You know, one thing that we find over and over again when we when we ask voters factual questions is that the vast majority are not very well informed, and I'm, I'm not sure that the people on the left are that much more informed than people on the right. Correct. Like who's yeah, the yeah. vice president or yeah, you know, yeah. who's the chief but that's not dead, But that's, that's ignorant, but it's not dead, dead, deadly ignorance, is it? Yeah, it, it, but then even when we get to things like what you're talking about, like, you know, we had, you know, 40 percent of, uh, you know, in some polls of the Democratic Party saying they thought Bush was behind 9-11. I mean, those are ridiculous beliefs, too, that, that a lot of people on the left bought into. Um, well, conspiracy theory thrives in America. Um, American radio is part of the problem. Why we're so bad? I, I, in New living in New York, with all due respect to you guys, Norris, I don't, I'm not sure if I have access to your radio station. I, I, I have not found talk radio that I can actually listen to. If you take NPR, well, the problem with that is just boring. But I can't <laughs> find any talk radio that makes me more informed. So I, I end up listening to music or podcasts or whatever, or satellite radio, the BBC, or whatever. But you can, it's really tough to get educated, more educated and informed, listening to American talk radio. Yeah, and I mean... I, theories, I mean, it's funny. I, mean, I would never, I, I've written a whole book about George Bush Sr. Sorry, the Bush family, I mean. Um, and avoided all the pitfalls of all the conspiracy theories, which is... They're not all wrong, but once you go down them, you go nuts. Yeah, I mean, I would say one other thing, too. I mean, as you were talking about Bernie, I mean, he based his campaign on a, this shaky idea that the 1% control, controls all our politics and all our economics, which is it's just not true. 
Yeah, he was able to garner 40% of the Democratic vote on this 1% license. idea. The 1% is, is poetic license, but it's also convenient. Obviously, not all the 1% are problematic. It's probably 50% of 1%. And it's not 1% that's problematic. It's probably 0.001%. You have, like, eight people controlling the wealth of half the country. And you I mean, have, like, tra- maybe I mean, you have 100 families. You have family. You have families. Maybe 100 families. The country, 2012, contributed 48 you know, maybe 60% of all, electoral, of all election donations. American politics is run purely on money. You have people like Sheldon Edelson who can feel like they can buy themselves a politician or two or a president. Money wins at the end of the day, and that's America's fundamental problem. You have congressmen who spend five and a half, every congressman spends five and a half hours a day collecting money. Thus, they're not listening to their constituents. They're listening to the people who give their money. Thus, they're not... Advising, they're, they're telling their constituents what to believe rather than listening to what their constituents believe. And that's how you get this massive spread of misinformation because congressmen have very little in, in motivation to, to lead, to help the voters. Well, I, I think you're vastly oversimplifying a few things, but it, you know, I don't think you should be apologizing for Bernie Sanders coming out saying the one percent controls everything because his rhetoric. I'm not, one, I'm not apologizing. I was defending. They're saying it's it, sort of. It, 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 and it's, it's not, not true. A, I mean, it's frankly not, not, not true. You know, we can have reasonable conversations about income inequality, but saying that the one percent, quote unquote, has agreed that knows no end, is making it hard for you to survive. Um, and they and they've rigged everything against you. It's just it's just not true. I mean, the, well, the economy, why, the political system, are much more have, confused. If they're going if they're going to ta- have tax cuts, why do you not have a, uh, tax cuts that stimulate the economy far more effectively than the ones they introduce? What was the point of this tax cut they just had? Clearly, I mean, clearly that's designed by the one percent. Now, if you had if you had the people deciding what the tax so are you saying you agree with Bernie that the one percent controls everything? Is that is that where you are? I, that sounds rather conspiracy. I didn't say control everything, but money controls everything, and bad money tends to go. I mean, if you look at the good money in America, they've given up with America. If you take Bill Gates with his sixty billion, they're trying to sell, save world hunger, and they're succeeding. And they're saying, they're saying to themselves, I'm guessing, I'm not going to bother with America. I get, first of all, I get no bang for my buck. And secondly, they don't want my help. Okay. So, I, I mean, uh, I guess what I'm trying to drive at here is that you have ridiculous rhetoric coming out from leaders on the left. Um, I mean, Bernie Sanders is a good, good example of this. Except when you fact-check them by polyfact, their numbers and truthfulness are way different from the, 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 the truthfulness of the Republican Party. So it's relative. You can't mm. expect all those politicians to be totally honest all the time. That's, that's absurd. You, they have to well, I don't expect a... any of them to be totally honest, but I, I, <laughs> but I don't walk around saying that one party has a monopoly on You have to play your audience to some extent. Yes, but what I don't like is saying, well, you know, both parties lie, but, you know, you know, if you lie in favor of policies that I like, then it's okay. And if you lie in policies I just, what know, I, I just don't like, was, that's not okay. What I said was the Republicans lie way more, far more, and far more seriously. That's not justified. Obviously, if no, the, the big weakness on, on, the left, on the left might be, and it's accidental, every now and again, there are satire sites that on the Democratic side that spread occasionally, it's not that often, you spread a false meme. And to me, there's nothing more dangerous than accidentally spreading, spreading a false meme because that means that, that makes it okay when the Republicans do it all the time. 
I've been trying to debate with, with, with trumpet, trumpeteers, I call them trumpeteers, on social media for years. And I now, have, I now have a reward. If somebody can actually rebut my substance with, with substance of their own, with intelligence, going, I will give them a five, I give them, a, I offer them five, five bucks. And what is it they would have yet, to prove I've yet to, you, to have that, that a, a trumpeteer, <laughs> I've yet to have a trumpeteer be able to react with intelligence to my, uh, my content. All they end up just saying is some, some, you know, there's some label they try, some whatever label, some, some sort of abuse, but they never had substance. And I keep saying, please reply to my content with substance. I must have said it 3,000 times over the last five years. Well, what are de well, well, let's get to that. What are the Democrats going to do? Let's say that they took over everything right now. What policies would be all that different? I mean, the Democrats aren't in favor of letting the caravan in. I mean, they, they have a constituency that is just as, you know, not I mean, quite remember, as fearful of immigration, I mean, but, but they're, they're not in favor of open borders. No, of course not. That, that wouldn't go down well at all. But if you ask a Republican that, they wouldn't vote a Trump, Trumpet voter. They wouldn't necessarily understand that. Of course they're not in favor of open borders. And the, the immigration problem is, a, is, a, is, a, is made by the Republican Party virtually in its entirety. It could have been sold at any time in a bipartisan fashion in the last 10 years. Uh, it's the U.S. Chamber of Commerce that's basically responsible for the problem. They want cheap labor. I'm not saying they're right or wrong. Maybe it's right. That's fine. I don't care. But they want cheap labor, so, and they don't want to, to enforce what the, the obvious solution to illegal immigration, which is to ensure that they don't employ illegal people. If that's what your concern is, they don't. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce does not care a damn. They want them, but they want to have their politicians that they buy. They want the politicians to blame the immigrants for everything. Obviously, so, immigration is yes, very but good I don't see a But I don't see a policy coming out from Democrats that says, hey, we welcome a lot more immigrant workers, and we're going to bring in as many as we can as soon as you give us power. I have not that, seen well, that. They, they not, they're, not, they're not going to say that because people are fearful of that. And to be honest, even I wouldn't like the idea of like unleashing. Okay, so they want to do it, but they're just going to lie about wanting. No, to I think the solution is to have. The, the issue has always been how do you? And I again, I'm not an expert of this. I've not written a chapter about immigration and stuff like that. So, um, but to me. Um, the solution is finding some sort of le to legalize whatever the number is. Twenty. What's the number? Twenty million uh, uh, people have been in the country legally for a long period of time, and they've got nowhere to go. You can't just chuck out twenty million people, as I understand it. They've nowhere to go. So, in some way, creating citizenship for for a large swath of these people. And I think that there's been there's been they've been close to bipartisan solutions to this problem for years. But you know the the. the the GOP don't want to play that card because they, they don't want to, they like to excite the base. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, the Democrats, you know, have their own constituencies too, which are fearful of immigration, whether it's white voters or unions who want to limit the number of people that come in or certain sectors of the economy that, that want to get protections from the Democratic Party against foreign competition. I mean, that exists too. And, and, and it's not like Democrats go into these negotiations without any demands. I mean, Sanders, for instance, during the last immigration, you, you know, bill they debated dollars for some amorphous youth, you know, um, employment program to protect certain constituencies from, you know, from foreign competition. So it's it's not like they're like, hey, we like foreigners and want them to come here, which is where I would probably put my, 
you know, my preferred policy, but it's, 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 I don't see them as that much different than, than Republicans. It's just the Republicans, so, yeah, you know, you, t- you, t- you, tend to base you, it more on, on fear and anxiety where the yeah, Democrats yeah. I mean, just don't, don't push for, for more immigration. And maybe, and maybe, and maybe if they had pushed for it more, they wouldn't have got Congress back. Yeah, and, and, I and, and I guess that tells us something about Democratic voters. I mean, they, they're fearful of immigrants, too, and they, and they don't really see the positive oh, oh, benefits I, of immigration. I just, I just said that, you know, if two-thirds of Republican voters have, a big, have got racial t- racist tendencies, I think one-third of Democrats do, too. Of course they're there. And they're there in the, the, the especially the rural, more poverty-stricken states. As long as they keep playing to that, they're not going to wind up with policies that are that much different than what well, the now you're being now you're being now you're being a libertarian again, and I get it. It's wonderful, uh, but it it doesn't get you power. Now, the, I'm not telling people how to get power other than to get reduce the amount of money in politics, because that's the major corrupting force. You're talking about everyone being a saint. And, you know, expecting, and it's the saintly view you have, and I'm not quite there, and I certainly wouldn't promote it in a book, um, because I try to remain within basic orthodoxy of where the American public is. So my smart party agenda would actually, in spite of my book appearing to be polarizing, and me appearing to be polarizing when I I attack Trump voters, my actually, the agenda I have, I've carefully made it so that probably 80% of Americans could possibly agree with it. So it's not, I'm not, at the end of the day, I'm not trying to create something polarizing. So when you, someone like yourself who's acting like a, you know, and not acting, you, you know, you're more pure, there's a more pure heart there, and more, you know, but I just don't, I just think that's asking too much right now. We, as I say, we've got to fix the plumbing. Well, I mean, I, I, sure, and, and, and all change that's going to come is going to be incremental. But at the end of the day, if I'm going to argue for something, it's not going to be, well, here's a slightly less bad well, but policy. The trouble is that I, the, I, change I mean, we're, the change we're getting is we're on a trajectory where things are just going to get worse. And it's something you should agree with here. Um, the basic pro- underlying problem with America, if you, is, I would argue, is the income discrepancy trends that we've seen in the last 30 years. I'm not against income discrepancy. I'm, against the, I'm con- really concerned about these trends. And therefore, if you project those trends forward for the next 30 years, if we don't do something to mitigate it, where is America going to be? And I, hopefully people can figure that out for themselves. Because all the problems we're having now are very much to do with money. The fact that Congress is not paying attention to the will of the people on issues where 80% of the people care or have a view, and they're being ignored by Congress. Now, that might change right now to some extent. You might, I mean, I don't promote gun control per se, but what I do argue is America has the most infantile gun, contr- gun culture on the planet. And um, they, Americans need to understand one simple thing, that more guns, as a general rule, don't make you safer. Yeah, and, uh, but I, I, I think there's one issue here that you have to grapple with, is that on the one hand, there are issues where you think that the, that the leaders should be listening to the people, and on the other hand, there are issues where the people should be listening to the leaders. And it's, it's, it's not consistent, and I understand why it wouldn't be consistent, but it's, you know, there are things that the public wants that I think would be terrible, terrible policy, and the people who study policy would say it would be like terrible what, policy. Like, like what? Like what? Um, 
So I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you, I'm sure, because you, yeah, your, your, your point is indisputable. Out, and, and let me say, it works on the opposite way, too. There are going to be things yeah, no, that I'm sure your point is I just would like to think of an, right. yeah, just come up with an example, but I'm, I'm sure you're right. I'm not questioning that. So, so let's go back to immigration. If, you know, when I do polls on immigration, you wind up with a lot of people who think that there's all sorts of immigration conspiracies and want to limit immigration because of that. I mean, in that sense, I would rather have, you, you know, I think there's a lot of studies that say immigration is a is a net positive. Oh, it's more, it's a massive net positive. Are you, you know, it, it, it's a it, massive, it, it, it's a massive gain for the economy. Fifty percent of Fortune 500 companies were founded by an immigrant or a son of an immigrant, right? So, the, the cheap labor should not be something to be scared about. A less expensive. These are jobs that Americans weren't willing to do. And you know, there are cons and again, so so you, so you get rid of the cheap labor. There are consequences for that. But you know, maybe your, your products go up. And you know, since the struggling class, since the struggling class in America, which you call you guys often call middle class or whatever, because that's such an amorphous term. But you know, their income, their spending ability hasn't changed much in 30 years. And so, yeah, getting them to pay far more for fruits and vegetables will just drive them yeah. into McDonald's, and they become more obese. Yeah, so that's an important one. Another one I would say, too, is tariffs. You have a lot of support for tariffs in this country, and I think, you know, the experts who study this would say, no, tariffs are not good. Well, that's another funny thing. First of all, when it comes to free trade, I'm not a purist, but obviously the concept of free trade is somewhat correct. So I like free trade as a general rule. But what's so funny is when, um, if you take the three, what I would call sort of intellectual pillars of, of being a Republican, of being a conservative, and you could agree with them or not, it doesn't matter. But the things you could debate were free trade, national security, um, and uh, something else. But, you know, and they were like, those, those concepts of being a conservative were thrown out of the window in about one month after Trump was elected. <laughs> so really, the things that they, uh, they stood for Oh, and, and financial discipline, sorry, the third thing, financial discipline, i.e. not increasing the debt. Uh, those, were, those were their pillars of what they stood for. And I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but they were at least intellectual pillars, and they've gone. Yeah, they're gone. And, and, so they don't really you know, stand for anything right now. Yeah, the Republicans are very good at standing for something when they're not, yeah. when they don't have the checkbook. <laughs> You know, but all of a sudden what we've seen is that the Democrats are really concerned about the debt and the deficit, <laughs> you know, which, well, you they, know, as, they, soon as, they, I mean, as soon as they get the to be checkbook, fair, you know, to that'll be, fair, be a secondary did, thought, too. Uh, but to be fair, after the 2009 uh, re reflationary infrastructure spend, uh, Obama did a lot to reduce the deficit or try and, redu and, and reduce the, the, those trends, and he was very successful, and Bill Clinton did the same thing. If you look at the... Uh, the great, the great, the depression and the great recession that was caused, and it was caused by unfettered capitalism. It was caused by the Republican Party, and when it happens again, which could well happen, we're getting, we're seeing more unfettered capitalism now. You're stimulating and greed. You're stimulating an already stimulated economy, which is very dangerous. And now we won't have the cheap money to save us, maybe next time round. So these economic collapses are caused by unfettered capitalism. Mm. I'm sure there are people who would disagree with that. <laughs> I know that. Mm. <laughs> wow. No, well, well, guys. Well, Greenspan has admitted it, and he was a libertarian. Oh, I don't know if I would, you know. He, so he'd be, he had a change of You should be debating this with Alan Greenspan, not with me. I'm not, yeah. I'm not in anything like his caliber. 
No, but I guess I, just to get back to this other point is that, you know, there are times where democracy is good because the people have opinions that, you know, are sort of, uh, you know, in the right direction and other times where it's in the wrong direction. And, and we're sort of stuck in a place where, you know, we want more democracy, but we realize at the same time that people often, you know, have really wrong but ideas not, but, about what's good for the economy. And, and yeah, but, yeah, but look, it's not like... Sometimes they make bad policy. It's not like... Um, You'll be a libertarian. You disagree with this. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm not. I'm not a pacifist or a non-pacifist. It doesn't matter. But you know, obviously, the army is nationalised. The post office and that work. That in Americans' eyes, that works beautifully. Um, healthcare, healthcare decisions should be nationalised. They should not be. Should not be a motivation of pro profit. Prison and incarceration and prison run, running prisons should not be profitised. That's nuts. So when money is so corrupting. And so you've got to, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for ways of taking as much money out of the political equation, as you, corrupting money as you can out of the equation as possible, and then allow people to make decisions. But I mean, the, obviously, the, the argument about America being a democracy or a republic and all that, that's, at the end of the day, I still regard it as, you know, the people's vote should drive policy, in, especially on most domestic issues. But, I, but here's the thing, is that a lot of people look at market failures and they forget that there's such a thing as government failure. And they think that, that money is corrupting, but fail to realize that power is too. And, and, yes. and it's just there are different incentive structures that lead to corruption within government than within markets. And, and we need to be cognizant of those as well. I, but I still feel like you say you know, government is corrupted because there's too much money in, in government, in, in the way officials are elected. Yeah, but if you yeah, but on the other hand, if you say that Republicans lie and they're corrupt because they want to stay in power, well, that's I'm power corruption. Careful, careful word of the corruption. I'm, you know, I said co corruption is a non-partisan issue. So, so don't let you know when you know. So you've got to be more careful with that. Uh, obviously, they've been in power and they've had unchecked power now for the last two for the last two years or so. Um, so they are probably, by definition, more corrupt. But that's may, hopefully that's an accident, accident of the timing, and hopefully that the balance there will be some balance restored. Hmm. Well, guys, our time is running out. <laughs> well, well, well. It looks like we solved all of America's problems. So yeah, everything oh, is fine now. We wake I up wish. and it's all good. It's been a great hour, and of course, uh, Dr. Joe Usinski, our in-house um, conspiracy. Um, political professor from Miami, and and of course rapidly myself. thinking Miami, yeah, yeah, that's and myself, nothing, and of course our our guest, second time on the show, and and uh, friend of the show, and uh, we hope to see him back again. Um, well, his yeah. website <laughs> stupidpartyland.com, and he has a couple of books to check out. Deliverance is one that I recommend. Um, Patrick Addendale, thank you for being here, guys. Well, thank you very much for having on and engaging in a uh, a fun, a really fun debate. All right, thanks for coming on. This is great. Thanks for that. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.